how you can own your own magic is to start to tap in to your inner superpower that is influence and influence is magical it's it's magic and you really tapping into that and allowing that to be cracked open and honoring that that's what's really going to let you shine so tap into your influence now let the magic begin It's Raquel, and welcome to Your Own Magic, a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And as always, the sponsors you hear today will be linked in the show notes, or you can find them at yourownmagic.life slash sponsors. And on the site, while you're at it, check out the membership site. It has 52 meditations, and if you want to contribute to the podcast, any ideas, well, feel free to leave your suggestions in the topic box or questions. I'd like to gather up some for a future Q&A. Helps me immensely know what kind of content to continue to create for you as we're always evolving. And this episode is with an incredible woman. She's a business coach, a speaker, the host of the Influencer Podcast which you might be familiar with. She said it came out in 2017, and I remember around the time this podcast was starting, listening and really enjoying her podcast as well, and it's blown up so much, and you know, she deserves it. She goes for it. She likes to help others also create that excitement and build momentum to achieve whatever it is they want. Therefore, she wrote her upcoming book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to unstoppable and that will also release june 7th so if you're listening to this on june 6th well feel free to pre-order if you're listening to this june 7th or after feel free to get her book you might want to after you listen to how expansive she is in this area you can tell it's her passion it's her purpose and it gets me excited it's a very fun and light episode as well in many ways however i do also appreciate her raw honesty and her being able to express freely things that she experienced and went through in order to help the listeners as well so in this episode we cover practice ways to to give what you want by identifying your origin story, tapping into the power of awareness, leading to acceptance, leading to action, and amplifying possibilities. So this episode is for those that want to dream and get something big or those who also feel like, okay, I'm there, but I'm ready to expand more, to pivot or to shift or whatever it is. So I hope that you find some nuggets in there that deeply resonate with you. And if this podcast has helped you in any way, shape or form, I'd love to hear it. And feel free to rate and review this podcast if you feel the nudge to. And so with all that being said, let's get on with the show, shall we? I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Julie Solomon. What is lighting you up most in this season of your life, Julie? You know, I think what is lighting me up most in this season is allowing myself to move more into the embodiment and the attention to the feeling of where I'm going, of where I desire to go, and just that expansion and really the feeling of a new adventure. I think the way that I have been for the most part of my life is that I'm always someone who is checking off the boxes. I'm doing, 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 so I can't be I'm always on to the next thing. And I've really tried to spend this season of, you know, bringing my book out into the world, but also just, I feel like after COVID for, for me and for a lot of people in my community, everyone just feels so disconnected from their bodies and disconnected from the energetic, um, you know, the energetic pillar that is, I think, within the body. It just that word embodiment comes up for me. So I think that 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 is really what I've been trying to be more intentional about, and and really just being more in the receiving 
mode of. What an interesting juxtaposition because you are out there sharing, sharing, sharing right now, especially as you are promoting your very first book. But also that is so great that you are being very conscious of staying within your body at the same time. Your life trajectory is very inspiring to me in many ways. And I love that you've shared this message for so long with women, but now it's on another level because you've up-leveled yourself. And I would love to hear your story of how it all began for the podcast and then getting this idea to share this message and create a book out of it. I would love to hear it all. Yeah. So I founded my podcast in 2017. It was a place that I wanted to create for creators, for people that were looking to really unlock that magic within them and to shine. And ever since I've started my career, which goes all the way back to 2007 as a publicist, I've always, and even before that, I even remember being like a young girl in, in, in college and I was always really attracted to and gravitated towards you know, people that really lit up the world to to stars. And I, I don't necessarily mean that as like famous people in Hollywood, but we all have our own, you know, inner stardom and inner star quality, whether we realize that or not. And I was always attracted to the to the depth of 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 people and and what really lights them up and how to really crack more of that open. And so as my work grew and it started, you know, the passions grew and they started to really formulate into these different mediums like podcasting and creating, you know, online courses. And I'm, you know, I'm a coach. I help people build personal brands. Um, and really that idea of influence, um, that was something that was always really attractive to me, especially because it was starting to get a really bad rap in the online space. You know, being an influencer are, you know, I guess proclaiming yourself as that, people would have these very negative connotations around it. And to me, I feel like influence is all of our superpowers, whether we even realize it or not. And it really does come from the stars. It's this very energetic, magnetic, you know, part of, of ourselves. And so I wanted to be able to unlock more of that, to share more of that, and to give people a, a deeper perspective and and hopefully a fresh take on what it means to to influence and what it means to really have that that positive impact of influence, influencing the world around them. Ooh, it's a powerful thing and we all have that within us. And I love that you mm-hmm. say this and that we can do it on many different levels and spectrums. It doesn't have to be fame or whatever it is. I love that you share that message so it can everyone can tap into this. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's been a really, really fun experience. Yeah. So your book. Okay. What an attractive name. Get what you want. I'd love to hear where to begin on this journey of getting what we want and living what we desire. I know that you introduced the book with realizing the possibility and asking what's holding you back. And I appreciate that you bring this up as this is so important for us to examine. But I'm curious from your perspective, how do we examine this and why is this important for us to look at? Yeah. You know, getting what we want can be a very, it sounds like this very direct, but very simple idea or simple statement, but it seems to be something that is incredibly challenging for people, including myself. You know, for a long time, I didn't think that I could get what I want. Um, I didn't think that getting what I wanted was possible. Um, I didn't think that I could get what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. And it it leads to a lot of suffering. It leads to a lot of pain. It leads to a lot of irrational thinking and irrational behaviors. And it, it leads to this perpetual hamster wheel of everything that it is that we don't want. And so the this idea of not only being able to understand what it is that you wanted, but then actually getting it and having it come from this really profound and transformative place was really interesting to me. And this idea of how to really go from unseen to unstoppable, because you can't get what you want if you're not showing up and if you're not being seen. And that's really where I I kind of wanted to crack it open. And so I, I start the book by sharing my own personal story of what really put me on the path to be able to truly get what I wanted. I think for a while, um, you know, I would put on a lot of masks or would have this facade, especially in my 20s, 
of, you know, I wanted to look the part and act the part. And I had this desperate need to be validated and for people to like me. And I had a really complex um, relationship with money and a really uh, scarce and limiting relationship with money. And so I share um, pretty much in the first pages of the book that I received a phone call one day from my husband. And on the other end of the phone, all he said was, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? And in that moment, my throat like fell down to my stomach. And, you know, it's kind of like when you have some of those, the outer body experiences. And the reason why I was having that is because I was being found out. The, The biggest fear that I had of being found out was happening because I was hiding over $30,000 of credit card debt from my husband, and I had been doing it. I had slowly but surely amassed over $30,000 of credit card debt over a span of two and a half years. I was living in LA at the time. I was a new mom when the spending started, and I was really trying to fill a void. And in that moment, of course, he's upset and he's asking a lot of questions and all of that's happening. And, you know, I'm in the midst of this rock bottom moment of now having to face this really dark shadow side of myself. And the only thing that I remember asking myself was, why am I so afraid to be honest about money? And why am I so afraid to be honest about my relationship with money? And the the next thought that came to me was like, well, it's simple, Julie. It's how you learn to survive. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so that kind of kicked off this unraveling, un, un, unlayering, and really remembering of my understanding and relationship with money. And so I really had to get back to the origin of who I was and where I came from. And in the book, I actually call them the origin story. We, we all have an origin story. And our, our origin story is simply the stories that come from our origins that really shape the way that we see the world. It shapes the way that we you know, connect with the world, that we connect with the people around us. It shapes the stories that we choose to tell ourselves, the belief systems that we have. A belief is just simply a thought that you have over and over and over again. So it's these thoughts that are either ingrained in us consciously or subconsciously from our younger years that then we start to adapt and start to live by growing up. And so I had this origin story that there wasn't enough money to go around. I didn't understand money. I wasn't good with numbers. I wasn't responsible or or capable of understanding or managing money. Success had to be hard. Keeping money had to be a struggle. And so what I was doing subconsciously was self-sabotaging myself. I could make money, but then I would spend it faster than I could make it, hence the credit card debt. The other thing that was happening was I had a lot of shame around, around being accepted and around this feeling of belonging. I was new to Los Angeles at the time. I had just had a baby and I I was kind of shedding this old version of myself and didn't really know how to step into this new person that I was becoming as a mom and a new woman in, a, in this new city. And I started to look outside of myself and, you know, what are things that would fill the void? What are some things that would make me feel good? And for me, it was, you know, buying some lip gloss, going to, you know, have a nice brunch, going and buying a $9 latte, whatever it was, (laughs) you know, I was doing that. And I chose in a lot of ways to to stay subconscious. I mean, and I know that kind of sounds counterintuitive because how can you choose that? But it's about, it's about the denial and denial really runs deep and so does delusion and i had this really delusional pattern of just thinking that it was going to fix fix itself or i was somehow going to be able to you know fix myself or pay off the money or be validated externally once x y and z happened and so it was kind of a culmination of all those things that then put me at the the dining room table and from there i had to go and start to really learn who I was and to get help. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add of course some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and of course a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. 
And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara. And it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards. So no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their liquid lash extensions mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake-free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. So nice to hear from somebody who has been able to witness this, sit with this, be able to accept it in the moment, and then from there, work their way to get out of the credit card debt, if that's the case, or whatever it is, so that they can feel free from whatever is holding them back, whatever that boundary might be. And so what are some action steps that people can take when they feel like they are smothered in something like this or whatever it is? Yeah. So, you know, I think that really to get out of any type of feeling of chaos or confusion or dysfunction, and like you said, I mean, the listeners may not be as insane as I was, and they may not be hiding $30,000 of credit card debt <laughs> from their loved ones. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's some kind of issue that they're having with, with something else about money and, and their, their belief around their abundance to have and make as much money as they want. Or maybe there's some, you know, limiting belief or, or something that they have about their ability to travel, or maybe they want to move to a new city, but they don't think it's possible. Or, you know, maybe it's a, their relationship with food, or maybe it's some kind of toxic relationship that they have in their lives with another person. You know, I talk a lot in the book about, you know, my codependency issues. And what, what happens from what I've noticed is that when you have a rock bottom moment, if you really start to show up to it and not waste it, and use it to really go deep into a lot of your shadow work, it's a ripple effect to all of these other things. So for me, that was scarcity, um, not being enough, not having enough, not belonging, lack of worthiness, my desperate need for validation, lack of self-love, control issues, self-righteousness, um, people-pleasing, perfectionism. I mean, these were all of these things, these dysfunctions that started to show up in my life once I was really able to look at myself more as a reflection in a mirror. And so with that, I knew that there had to be a pathway out. And so I went to therapy. I started reading books. I started getting into recovery programs, just really trying to figure out, you know, how do I now move through this? And I came across what I call the tools to freedom. They've been my tools to freedom because um, really I think the the antidote to dysfunction is is freedom. You know, it, dysfunction and suffering can't survive if you are in a state of, of freedom. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love to share the three A's with the community Please. now. And, and there I 
Yes. I didn't invent these. These are very well known in therapy groups and recovery circles, but I did adapt them and adopt them into my life. I share them in the book. At the end of every chapter in the book, I actually give, you know, these really good study guide exercises. And so if someone wants to dive deeper into what I'm about to share, they can do that in the book. But the three A's are awareness, acceptance, and action. So the first step to any recovery process is awareness. And this is basically where you have to put on your fact-finding hat and just go down your fact-finding rabbit hole. So this is simply the identification that some problem or challenge or dysfunction exists in your life and it needs to change. That is in simplest terms. I go into much bigger detail in the book, but that is in simplest terms what awareness is. And awareness is amazing because it allows us to start to see things as it really is, not the fantasy of what we may think it is or the delusion of what we may think it is, but the reality of what it is. Um, The next step or tool that you have to go to, and this is often the most challenging one for people and the most uncomfortable one, because this is when we have to start taking ownership and it's acceptance. So acceptance is that place where we have to come to grips with the idea that this dysfunction is not all of me, but it is definitely a big part of me. It doesn't define me, but it is starting to shape the results that I'm seeing in my life. It is a piece to the puzzle of my life that no longer fits and it needs to be removed. And I have to be the one to remove that. It began with me. It ends with me. It's nobody else's responsibility to do this for me. And it's really up to me, like, can I accept this opportunity of acceptance? And, you know, there's a saying that I've I've heard you know, over the last few years that I love that is acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. And I love that so much because the more that we can stay in acceptance, the more freedom that we have in life, you know, you can start to adjust your expectations based on the reality of your situation, not what you wish it was and how circumstances beyond your control start to affect your abilities to succeed. So it really allows you to lessen the blow of expectations, especially the ones that we place on ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just incredible. And it also allows us to have good days regardless of whatever else is happening because our day, our experience in life, our success, our goals, getting what we want, it starts to depend on our own capacity to accept what is exactly as it is. Mm, a question. Okay. Yes. In this process of becoming aware of whatever it is, did you compartmentalize everything and then recognize each one? Like for example, perfectionism or uh, codependency. And then for each one, you brought awareness to it and you really went down the rabbit hole within yourself of why you were experiencing this until you went through acceptance or did you kind of just see them all and then accept them? I know it's obviously not as easy said and also I'm sure that it's not as linear as it sounds. I mean, it it can be linear. It can be really simple as someone mm-hmm. that's listening can, can literally sit down today with a sheet of paper and just start to list off everything that they feel is chaotic in their life, is stressful in their life, triggers them. It could be something as simple as, I don't want to look at my bake statements. Okay, well, why? You know, when I eat that piece of cake, I start to get a knot in my stomach and I start to tell myself that I'm fat and gross. Why? You know, when when I go out, you know, I, I, I tell myself that I can't go out unless I drink. Why? You know, when I am, you know, when I'm talking to my boyfriend and he asks me what I want for dinner, I tell him all the time that I don't care whatever he wants is fine when really I want sushi. Why? And so it can just, and what awareness allows you to do is that it allows you to identify the problem or the dysfunction and just like our natural reactions and our natural flow of things. Like we don't even realize half the time what we're doing or what we're saying. We're just kind of going through the day. So it might be nice to carry like a journal or put it in your notes on your phone or something. Exactly. And it just allows you, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Why did I, you know, why did I say I didn't want to go out tonight, but then I went out tonight and like, and then I, you know, like then I didn't sleep well and I feel like crap the next day. Like, why did I abandon myself when I clearly didn't want to go out? 
Like, who am I trying to please here? So that's kind of what happened to me. I would start to really identify these things that would either bother me or be triggering to me. And then the awareness would come in because I would start to ask myself, well, like, why? And it's like, oh, well, I did that because I wanted to make that person happy. Or I ate, I ate those five donuts because I was trying to avoid a problem. Or, you know, I went out to drink last night because I thought that that was the only way that I could connect with my friends. Or I posted this thing on social media because I felt left out and I wanted attention. Or, you know, it's it's whatever, whatever that may be for someone. So that's where the awareness comes in. And then with the acceptance, acceptance starts to allow us to let go of that illusion that's holding us back. So that illusion that like, you know, I, I can only go out, I can only go out if I drink. Um, I have to eat things that I don't want to eat or that aren't good for me when I feel bad. Um, I can only get attention by posting everything that I've done today on social media. And it allows us to start to discover the freedom and power that we actually have to define our lives with what it is that we want, not what it is that we don't want. So that's where the action comes in. So the third step is action. And that's just the plan that you can implement or put in place to start to recover and rest- and restore all the things that have been lost because of that dysfunction or because of that origin story because of that belief system. So this is where you can start to, you know, bring back in your life self-esteem, confidence, clarity, joy, serenity, happiness, balance, curiosity, creativity, all of those things in life that we really we do want. Those are the things that we that we really want. And so you have to ask yourself, do I want to continue to live in an environment that's filled with chaos and anxiety and despair? Or do I want one that's filled with peace and hope and joy and serenity? But only you can make that choice. Absolutely. Now, do you think that taking action can help lead to acceptance before we fully accept whatever it is? I mean, I think that action can unravel more it can reveal more to you, which then can lead to more acceptance. Mm -hmm. But typically acceptance comes before action. So I'll give you an example. Like um, my mom is always late whenever we like go to meet up or do anything. And the old me would be like, I would want to like change her, right? I, I I was not in acceptance of who she was. I was not in acceptance that she was always late. So I would be aware that she was late, but then I would immediately start suffering myself being like, oh, why can't she just be on time? I'm just not going to meet her anymore. Well, now I can just say, okay, I'm aware that when me and my mom make plans, she is late. I choose to accept that she is who she is, exactly how she is and nothing more or less. So now what am I going to do about it? And I could either not meet up with her, which is not really what I want because what I want is time with my mom. Or I could take a book with me and wait. I could be late as well, you know, and have her wait on me or maybe we'll get there at the same time. You know, it's it. the action gives you the choices that you have. Action reminds you that you have choices. And so does the acceptance. Absolutely. So to me, that's why you, you kind of have to accept that person, that place, that thing, that idea as it is first before you can ask yourself, okay, so now what am I going to do about it? And this sounds like a natural rhythm. If people are having a hard time visualizing or feeling into this, perhaps look back at something that they have conquered in life and what were... What was what were the steps that you naturally took? And I'm sure that awareness kicked in and then your acceptance and then you took action on it. Yes, exactly. And you can do it with anything. It's like, you know, another great thing that awareness, acceptance, and action allows you to do is that it, as it allows you to start again, that embodiment, it allows you to really pause and to really think and feel through, why do I want to respond right now? Why do I want to jump in and say something? Why do I want to react to something? Why do I feel the need to force myself to do something that I don't want to do? It really allows you to get rooted back into that, you know, if you're into human design, like that sacral authority, you know, and to really start to trust yourself on like, what is a heck yes for you versus what is a heck no? And can you start to honor that. And then from the three A's, you can then start to do amazing things like create boundaries and have non-negotiables for yourself and get clear on what your purpose is and to start to live that out. And, and, so paves the path for you to be able to get what you want. Absolutely. And you'd also talk about negotiating to get what you want. Yeah. I'm curious, what does that look like? How can we negotiate? Yeah. So, you know, negotiating is, 
has always been, I mean, in my background, as I mentioned, is in publicity and marketing. So I've spent the past almost 15 years um, in this this expertise world of advocating for clients, of advocating for myself, which to me, that is pitching. You have to be able to show up for yourself and be your own publicist. And part of that is you know, negotiating and, and being able to show up and ask for what it is that you want. And so I think the first step with any type of negotiating is that you have to you have to believe it first. If you don't believe what it is that you're wanting and you're trying to essentially sell that or share that to someone else, but you don't believe it first, then it's going to fall flat. Like the energetic authenticity has to be there. So you truly believing what it is that you want. And then, you know, I have, you know, some different choices and and opportunities in the book that I'll share that people can take. But you have to really start asking yourself questions about, you know, what is my goal with this? And how long is this going to take? And what do I need to provide in order to get what I want here? And you know, how is this mutually beneficial to the other person? And I think one of this, the best questions that, that anyone can ask with any type of negotiating, it's really simple. It's what would it take? What would it take to make this happen? What would it take if you're wanting to get on a podcast? What would it take to get on this person's podcast? What would it take to get this deal done? What would it take to get this job promotion? What would it take to get this internship? What would it take to whatever it is for you? What would it take to lose those last 10 pounds? Like you can even use that question with yourself to negotiate with yourself on what it is that you want. I love that. That's that is so powerful as well to be able to negotiate with yourself to get what you want because we're our mind, our whatever is going on in our mind, our monkey minds, we tend to they tend to be the blocker for a lot of things and to unblock that with your own negotiations is powerful and that makes it easier to negotiate with others. Absolutely. So, you also talk about the importance of masterminds. Yeah. Will you tell us what a mastermind is and why it's important? Yeah, you know, masterminds have been such an integral part in my own growth, not only in my business, I mean, a massive integral part in my business, but more than anything, just an integral part in my growth as a human being. Um, you know, I always tell anyone that if you, it's really the best advice that I could ever give anyone in business. If you want to be successful, you need to join a mastermind. And a mastermind is simply, I think it was, you know, coined, you know, back in the 20s in a book. Um, you know, it's it's a peer-to-peer kind of mentoring and networking group. And it usually helps members create more impact and growth by minding together. So it's masters coming together to share their thoughts, their feedback, their wisdom, their experience, their, you know, their hope for each other. And it's, it's really about uplifting and kind of getting, you know, the ships to all rise together. And so it's been, the concept has been around for a really long time, but I think that at least in the online space over the last probably, five to seven years, we've seen this massive influx of, you know, this, this word mastermind being thrown around and, you know, everyone has a mastermind. And I love to talk about it because what I have come to find is that a lot of times people will say, you know, I have a mastermind or I'm joining a mastermind. But then when they start to talk about it, it's like, well, that's not really a mastermind. That's like a coaching program Mm -hmm. or that's not really a mastermind. Mm -hmm. That's like a course with some, you know, in-person support, or that's not a mastermind, that's a retreat. And so from my understanding of a mastermind, it's where everyone is pretty much, they could be from very different industries and very different walks of life. They they actually should be, I think, because that's where you're really going to learn the most. But you're all at the same level for the most part. And the goal is to is to help each other rise to get to that next level, whatever that next level must might be. So, you know, there may be one mastermind out there that helps, you know, commercial real estate investors invest more, you know? So it's like everyone's interested in this one idea per se, and then they're going to come, they may be in different industries, but they they all want to invest in commercial real estate or residential real estate, and they're going to help you grow. Um, you could have other masterminds that focus on a strategy or a system and really documenting and, you know, buying into the process of that. You could have a mastermind that focuses on like a certain location or region. I mean, it really, there's so many different ways that you can kind of skin the cat. Um, The masterminds that I have hosted and that I've been a part of typically 
relate to networking and building that visibility piece. And so I'm a huge believer, yes, that you can you you can only you are only as strong as the people that you know that are there to support you. You're only as strong as your ask. And being able to ask influential people is going to get you to where you want to go a lot faster. And you're only as strong as, you know, the people that you can really call on and count on and lean on. And so what are you doing if you don't know, quote unquote, the right people, then what are you doing to put yourself in those rooms and in those environments to get to know the right people that are going to help you get to where it is you want to go? And the biggest feedback that I have for anyone whether they want to join a mastermind or a coaching program or they want to hire someone for one-on-one support or whatever it may be, you want to make sure that you are investing in and learning from someone who has done what it is that you are trying to do. Yes. So for example, if someone came to me and said, Julie, I want to join your mastermind because I want to learn how to get venture capitalist funding. And I'm going to say, well, I'm not the right person for you because I don't do VC funding and that's not what I talk about. But if you come to me and you're like, you know, I want to be surrounded by, you know, like-minded women who are wanting to speak on stages and write best-selling books and, you know, grow an online brand and a personal brand and an online platform, then I'm your person for that. So it's about getting really clear on making sure that the container and the leader of that container is best suited for what it is that you are looking for. And, you know, a mastermind, the first one that I ever joined was back in 2017. And not only did it really help me catapult, you know, financially the growth of my business, it really allowed me to start, to start deepening into a level of confidence in my abilities that I had never really had. It, it, it reflected by seeing all of these other incredibly successful women in the room, it reflected back to me like, oh, like, wow, like this room sees sees things in me that I don't even see in myself. Right. And that's a really powerful thing. And one of my favorite stories to share is um, I host masterminds and, you know, they're typically about three to six to 12 months, depending on kind of what the the focus is for that container at the time. Um, but last year I was doing one with a group and we were closing out and it was our one of our in-person retreats and it was the last dinner of the last retreat before we closed out. And um, I had asked everyone to stand up and just share what their biggest accomplishment had been from the mastermind. And not one single person, even though they all saw massive growth in their business with their revenue, not one single person talked about money. They all talked about how it how it helped them deepen a you know a better relationship with themselves. It made them become the leader that they had always wanted to become. It you know it made them shed a lot of the limiting beliefs that they had, and it was just it was a really beautiful thing to see that you know it's kind of like people go into masterminds with what they want, but then they leave the masterminds really getting what it is that they needed. What a way to develop that confidence and also hold yourself accountable in your business. And I also think that it's a great way to accelerate the three A's in a sense, the awareness, acceptance, and action, because yes. you're in it with people and you are keeping up with everyone and everyone's keeping up with you. And it's just this beautiful you know, an accelerator. Yes, absolutely. It's that's the that's a great word for it. I think that I've I first heard about masterminds in the Think and Grow Rich book, and wasn't that in the nineteen twenties? Maybe it was that. Yeah, book. was that the book? Yeah, yeah. I think well, that one I think was in the fifties, but then that okay. that even kind of dove more into it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. So let's say you're living your dream life. You're pretty content, but you're ready to expand or revamp or even rebrand because maybe you're ready for a change or you have a change of perspective of this world. World. Do you have any tips? Yes. Um, if you're ready for a pivot or a perspective or change, you know, I think that you have to first look at, you know, is there some kind of status quo bias that you're that you're believing that you're kind of falling into? So what I mean when I say that is a status quo bias is basically when you're afraid to change your current circumstances. So for example, you know, maybe somebody wants to move somewhere else for a job offer or a better life or some kind of new experience, but most people won't do it 
or don't do it because they, you know, they're going to have a list of all these excuses as to why they can't. And so, you know, really getting clear on, you know, what are the things that I'm telling myself that are keeping me from just moving forward, from just staying curious, from staying open-minded about it. So I think that that is, that is a big piece to it for sure. And the other thing I think is being able to, to identify what it is that you want and then just let that be enough. And that's, can be really hard for people. You know, it's, we have to, we have to ask and identify and declare what it is that we want, but then we have to give ourselves the space that's needed for the universe to deliver the clues and the desires and the next steps and the impulses. I think a lot of times we're asking the question of what it is that we want, but then we also try to answer it. And it's like, well, clearly we don't have the answers because we're asking the questions. Yep. <laughs> so, and then you start asking, well, why am I not getting the answers? Why can't I figure this out? Why, you know, I want to pivot. I want to do this, but I don't have the next steps. And it's like, well, you're too bottled up in the question. It's like, just let it rest. Like you've done your due diligence. There's nothing else that you need to do. You have to, you have to know that your, your inner guidance, your inner wisdom knows the answer, but you have to give yourself that distance between asking for what it is that you want and then it being revealed to you. So the best way to put distance between the asking and the revelation, the answer is, you know, things like meditation, rest, sleep, you know, changing the subject. I mean, I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll be thinking about one thing with my business and what I, you know, I want to change something or I want something to grow and then I'll just switch gears and start focusing on something else. Because I, I don't want to focus too long or too much on what it is that I don't want because then I'm just going to keep getting more of what I don't want. So it is. It's it, That's just the law of energy and focus. Um, I also think gratitude or even just listing out a really fun practice that anyone can do. I think it's a, it's a good self-reflection practice. Make a list of everything thus far in your life that you have accomplished or you have achieved or that you feel really proud about that you never, that you used to think wasn't possible. So, you know, maybe you moved to a new city or maybe you got this dream job or maybe you, you know, started a podcast or whatever that is for you that at one point in your life, you used to tell yourself like, there's no way that I can do that or that's impossible. And just see how you, how you have already proven to yourself that it's possible time and time again, and you've already blown your own mind <laughs> time and time again with it. It's just it, that can be so fleeting because we're always on to the next. But, you know, you you want to give yourself like those type of things, gratitude, sleep, rest, you know, that's that's the distance that's going, that's needed so you can get the answers. And you don't want to keep the problems activated by just focusing on the problem or focusing on what you don't have or focusing on how what it is that you have today is not enough. There's a beautiful quote. Um, it's happiness is wanting what I already have. And I love that so much. So like, how can you just stay in the feeling and the embodiment of that? And I think that that would help. Absolutely. Absolutely. So beautifully said. And also you'll feel a little bit more once you get to that space where you are looking back and you're so content and proud of yourself of where you're at. You also can feel this sense of limitlessness, which you talk about. And I love that feeling. I love that word. How do you define limitlessness and how can we get to that headspace? Yeah, I think limitless is really that belief that in what's possible and really that anything is possible and staying in the inertia of that. Limitless to me is very action oriented and it's very um, movement. And even if you're not doing anything, there's still this movement. So maybe there's a movement with your feeling, there's a movement with your, your belief and the expansion and the feeling of what it is that you want. And so you know, I love the um, the question of like, wouldn't it be great if, and that's a great kind of limitless way of thinking, like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, I owned a beach house? Wouldn't it be great yeah. if- and that's easier to tap into in many it's ways. so much easier to tap into. Wouldn't it be great if I wrote a book? Wouldn't it be great if I spoke on that stage? Wouldn't it be great if I, you know, 
went on TV and talked about this? Wouldn't it be great if I, you know, got to work with this person or that person? And it just kind of puts this, this joy in the work and the joy in the process. Absolutely. And it's also amazing that you share the many different sides of you in the book. I'm curious why you chose that route. I love seeing someone that's not going to just share like, oh, it's all positive, but like, this is what happened. This is real. This is raw. Why did you choose to that route to share it like that? I love it. And also what opened you to being able to express yourself in this way? Yeah. You know, I... I tend to be more of a vault when it comes to social media. I'm not one that has – I mean, I I share personal things. I share my family and I share some of those parts of me. But I've never been really raw on social media. I've just – I've – I've always used my online platform and my social media platform as a way to serve my community and as a way to grow my my business and to really be of service with my business. And so I knew that – that a book would be a really, or I thought, you know, that a book would be a really great way and great place to start sharing more of those raw moments of my life and really allowing, pulling people in and allowing them to see more sides of me than they've probably ever seen before. Um, and so it, that, that calling that felt really, really good to me, it's never felt authentic to me personally and aligned to me personally to be super raw and vulnerable on social media, but it did feel very, very right for me to be that way in these pages. And so it's it was more of just that that feeling of what felt good. And there's nothing wrong with being raw and vulnerable on social media if that feels good to you. Um, you, you just have to do what feels in alignment. <laughs> and so to me, right. that book felt the right place to do so. Oh, I love that. And I love that you recognize that sharing the raw moments is being of service to your audience in a major way, in a major way, as well as sharing everything else. So I'm so glad that you did it in the form that felt aligned with you. Yes. Yeah. And and that's a that's a great way of saying it too. Like I I definitely have gotten more raw and vulnerable on my podcast over the years. But yeah, for me, it just it felt like the book was this safe space because it just like it could just live in the pages and that's where it is and it's like safe in there and it's fine. And <laughs> yeah, you do. You have to it it takes a lot of um it takes a lot of courage to share anything. Yeah. But I think that it takes a certain kind of of I think connect connectivity, a certain kind of connection personality to really love doing it on social media. And I have friends that do it and they do it very well. And that is just like their place where they go to like have those moments. Um, and and I get to do it in the book. So it's 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 exciting. I love that. And as well, like people are buying this book to connect with your heart and connect with you. And I do think that, that was a beautiful avenue to share it. So thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, before we get into rapid fire, what other messages do you think will serve the listeners today on helping them along this particular path of pursuing whatever it is their heart desires? Mm. You know, one of my favorite quotes in the book is, you can't hide yourself and expect to be seen. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Um, And I love that too, because I can relate to that. And I think that it's just a, it's really powerful, especially in terms with what we think about with social media because we always have this, you know, expect is an expectation that we can, you know, kind of show the world a version of us that feels safe or a version of us that we want them to see with the hopes that that's going to allow us to be seen. But if it's not coming from this true authentic place, and it still is a form of hiding. And so that would be, you know, my, my biggest encouragement to those who either want to grab the audible and listen to the book or grab the hard copy and read the pages is to really start to take account of, you know, how am I showing up and, and does it feel real? Does it feel, in alignment? Does it light me up? Does it bring me joy or does it make me feel worse about myself? And if so, then what's still being hidden in there that I haven't let out yet? And do I have the courage to do so? 
Absolutely. No, I have one more question actually that came to heart before we get into rapid fire. I'm so curious of your writing process. This is your first book that is absolutely huge. And I feel like it's been a long time coming for you to finally write this and share this with the world because you've been sharing so much for quite a minute. So I'm, I have to know your writing process, what that looked like for you. Yeah. You know, I really enjoyed the writing process. I mean, I, I am a communicator at heart. So it's part of it's like I come from that star in the universe of communicators. I, I it's not like sometimes it comes out to be, you know, in vocal form through podcasting or coaching form or I do it on the stage or I do it through writing and and that's kind of what happened with this. And so I always encourage people if if you connect to that at all to just allow yourself to go there. I think it's always so like I always giggle to myself when I hear authors say like, I never thought I was going to write a book, but here I am with my best-selling book. And it's like, (laughs) really? Did you really think that you were never going to write a book? Like it had to have been in there somewhere. So even though it it can feel very humbling to say that, I think it's really important that we start to declare what it is that we want because it's going to make the process be way more, it's going to feel more in flow and be more natural. And so that's kind of what happened to me. Like I always wanted to write a book. I never knew like how, like how I was going to do it or when I would do it or what it would look like, or dare I say, would I even get the chance to, you know, a little bit of that limiting belief. But, um, I always knew why. And it's because that it's it's a part of my of how I express myself and my art form through communication and connecting. Um, so the writing process to me was was really it was cathartic, it was challenging, it was daunting, and it was extremely fun and extremely freeing. And I really loved that part. I also love um, I love to create in isolation. I do like to be alone, and writing is a very lonely process and one that I really enjoyed. And even for those that may be listening who don't like to be alone, I think it would challenge you to really start to get out of your head and and into that embodiment piece. And it would really challenge you to just get to know yourself more. So you don't have to wait to, you know, get a signed book deal to, to be a writer. You can start writing today. Um, you know, you don't have to wait around for those things. And so that's kind of what I did. I started writing and then I believe that every coach needs a coach. And so I got a coach. I got a writing coach. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a, write the book myself. I wanted to really challenge myself to go there. But I wanted to make sure that the stories made sense and I had the right framework and all of that. So I hired a wonderful woman who um, coaches you know, writers and making sure that they're in flow with what they're doing. And it was a really beautiful process. And so I highly recommend, you know, that for people as well. You don't have to do this alone. You can get help and support in whatever way that you need to get your message out to the world. Oh, amen to that. Absolutely. Beautifully said. So did you write in the mornings or did you write in the evenings? Did you go to a place by yourself? What did you do? Yeah. So I would typically write in the mornings between 10 and 1 was when I felt most alive and refreshed. And so um, I would meet with my writing coach every Monday and, and, you know, I would just kind of like word vomit a bunch of things to her through a Zoom that would be recorded. And then all of that would get transcribed. And so then I would take the transcriptions, I would transcribe it, um, you know, download it, put it in a Word doc, and then I would start to go through it all and frame it out to be chapters. And so I would meet with her on Mondays and then I would spend, you know, just for me, it was about. 90 minutes to two hours. I couldn't write much longer than that because I would start right. to get burned out. Yes. But um, I'm really fast. And the fact that I would have like basically everything that I was just, it was like a therapy session. I would just share everything with her. And then that kind of essentially ended up being the book. So I would have the backbone. Yeah. And then I would just reframe it. And then then you have, you turn in the manuscript and then you have a whole phase. It's like the editing process where you have a ton of different editors from the publishing houses that just go through it with a fine tooth comb and give their feedback. So there's some back and forth there. But for me, it was, you know, if not daily, then, you know, as, you know, pretty much every other day for about 90 minutes to two hours fleshing it out. 
That's amazing. That's so exciting. And it's coming out soon. I mean, I'm going to be releasing this episode the day before it comes out, I believe. Yes, the day before. Mm -hmm. So on June 6th is when this episode comes out. So the book will be out tomorrow. Can people pre-order it? They absolutely can. They can go right now to either, you know, wherever books are sold or wherever audiobooks are sold. If they're listeners of books, they can get it. Um, And it will be delivered to them at midnight tonight. Um, Or if they want the hard copy, they can go ahead and order it and it will be to them, you know, in a matter of days. And um, if you go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want, if you order the book from wherever you want to order it, just put your receipt number in this this box that we have on that website and then you'll actually get a free ticket to a virtual workshop I'm doing later this summer. I get what you want virtual workshop if you want to get involved in that. It's going to be a really fun day. Oh, that's amazing. Is that going to be kind of like a virtual workshop, like a coaching type thing or is that like an, a look at what a mastermind from you is like or what is that like exactly the workshop? No, so it's. Yeah, it's, it's a coaching workshop. So I, I go into a lot of the principles and practices that I share with the book and I actually coach the community all, that whole day on wow. how to really start to, yeah, apply the tools in the book so they can get what they want. Girl, you are living your purpose. Thank you so much. Um, ready for a quick rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Coffee or tea? Tea. What kind of tea? Oolong. Ooh, I love oolong. Uh, fave form of body mu- movement? Fave form of body movement would be five rhythms. What is that? Five rhythms. Five rhythms. It's a it's a dance movement uh, experience, and it takes you through five different dance rhythms and and these different modalities of music and and movement. It's really cool. Oh, fun! What is your happy or where is your happy place? Mm, my happy place is my bottom in the sand on a really beautiful beach <laughs> with. A water in one hand and then a, a margarita in the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do you know your astrology big three? Yes. So I am a Leo sun sign, a Sagittarius rising, and an Aquarius moon. A fellow Leo sun. Cool. Yeah. Uh, animal you connect with most, if any? Ooh, uh, dogs for sure. I connect with very, very much so. And then any kind of winged being. A winged being. Anything that can fly. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a morning routine? I do. So in the morning, I wake up. I I always have water on my bedside table, so I immediately drink some water. Um and I have two kids. So my husband and I kind of depending on, you know, who's doing what we have to tag team, like going to school, getting the child situated, but within the first, <laughs> yeah, with usually within the first 30 minutes to an hour of waking up, I am in my office. I have a meditation corner in my office. So I'm on my meditation mat, my, my meditation mat. I've got my meditation altar. I've got all of my different Oracle cards. I will do about 15 to 20 minutes of meditating with binaural beats, which you can find on Spotify. Um, And then, you know, I light candles, I pull cards, and I set intentions. Beautiful. And if you don't have Spotify, you can get it on YouTube anywhere. Yes, you can. Yeah, binaural beats are the best. Um, Oh, if you could gift everyone you know a book, excluding your own, of course, (laughs) what would it be? Oh, let's see. If I could gift everyone a book, I think that it would be when things fall apart. Yes, that one's so special. I, yeah, it's really that good. That one is so good. I haven't I read that in like 2015, I think. Yeah. It's got it's, it's by Pima Chodron. It's an amazing book. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, that's a great one. If you could time travel to your 16-year-old self to whisper something mm-hmm. in her ear, what would you whisper? Go for it all and don't worry about a thing. Hell yes. How would you advise the Euromagic listeners to create their own magic? This is the last question I asked all the Euromagic guests. You know, I think I kind of said it at the beginning, but how you can own your own magic is to start to tap in to your inner superpower that is influence. And influence is magical. Mm-hmm. It's it's magic. Mm-hmm. And you really tapping into that and allowing that to be cracked open and honoring that, that's what's really going to let you shine. So tap into your influence. Ooh, beautifully said. Amen. Where can everyone find you? Yes. So I tend to be on Instagram the most every day. And I'm over at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. 
You can also find me on the Influencer Podcast, wherever you love to listen to podcasts. We drop a new episode every Wednesday. And then my website is juliesolomon.net, where you can find all of the other ways to connect with me, work with me, hang out with me. Um, I also speak on a ton of stages throughout the year, so maybe I'll see you somewhere there. And then, of course, with my new book, my audio book, or the hot, hard copy, wherever you want to grab that, you'll find me in those pages as well. And of course, it's all in the show notes. And do you usually go by Julie or Jules? What do most people call you? Either one. Either yeah, one? either one. I'm Julie is my name, but when I was growing up, Jules was kind of my nickname and it's, you know, what a lot of family and friends call me. And then sometimes when I'll see, you know, I'll be out or on vacation or wherever. And if there's listeners of the podcast I run into or people that follow me on Instagram, they'll call me Jules. So I, I pretty much go by either. Yeah. Jules, thank you so much for coming on. It was such an honor, especially since I've known of your podcast for so long now mm-hmm. about the time this one came out. This also started in 2017. And that's yeah. a really cool thing that I feel like we share. And it I'm is. Just so thankful you came. Thank you, Raquel. I so appreciate being here. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.